First Rand is one of the largest financial services groups in the country and it owns several well-known brands such as First National Bank and Rand Merchant Bank. First Rand today reported results for the six months to the end of December and uh, it's actually the only time when we can peek into the performance of the underlying operations and James Formby is on the line. Uh, He's of course the chief executive of Rand Merchant Bank a very, very interesting banking group in the corporate and uh, investment space. James, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a very interesting year. And and before we talk about the profit numbers, how do you think the current performance of Rand Merchant Bank compared to uh, the pre-COVID levels? Thanks, Drake. And good to connect and to chat. So we uh, exceeded our pre-COVID levels last year in June 2021 already. So we've been fortunate that uh, our business has been able to recover and grow above those levels now for a little while. And I think actually, you know, as we emerge now from the pandemic, we can put that period a little bit behind us and start to look and pivot towards growth uh, and optimism. Earlier today, I spoke to Michael Sassoon of Sassfin, and he said during the strict lockdown period we saw in 2020 as well as in 2021, one in five of their business clients experienced financial trouble, and uh, that was a big concern for them. What has been your experience with your business clients? So we do play in the large corporate and institutional segment. So typically... Our clients are those with turnovers above a billion rand per annum, and they have been remarkably resilient. I mean, I think in the March to June, July phase of 2020, many of them drew down on a precautionary basis on on some of their facilities, and they went into quite a cautious mode. But for the last six to 12 months, we've actually seen them emerge from that. I mean, there are obviously a few sectors that are still impacted uh, hospitality being being one but even that's emerging now and um, actually their balance sheets have been pretty strong our experience with them is more that they're now at a stage where they are starting to invest for growth and we've seen that at an SA economy level where the total capex spent particularly on machinery has started to tick up a little bit so we're actually seeing a, a much more bullish outlook and our clients are actually in fairly good health other than a few of the sort of well-known and publicized examples that I'm sure you and the market would be aware of. Many of the banks were very aggressive with provisions and impairments last year. You know, in the context of what you just said, how accurate were those provisions and what was the impact thereof on your current uh, results? I think that's probably the biggest story of our results, and I presume where maybe of the sector, Rick. So there's no doubt that the IFRS 9 required us to take a forward-looking view on the economy and to provide accordingly. And so we took uh, extensive provisions uh, in the 2020 year, and you know we actually continued to top up into the year to June 21. And so now when we compare the period to December 21 with the period to December 20, you can see that we've actually not needed to add at all to our provisions. It's important to note that we haven't subtracted from them on on a total basis either. So we have fairly similar provisioning levels in aggregate to what we were before. 
because we wrote and increased provisions in the last period, that has helped drive our profit. And I think looking forward, Rick, you know, we do see the outlook improving. There's obviously a fair bit of uncertainty right now with the uh, Ukrainian invasion. Um, so we'd have to assess if that does start to impact markets more more broadly. But for now, I think that the direction is, you know, you're likely to see that we don't need to to add any more provisions. We may need to reverse depending on how fast our advances growth is. Because, you know, if we grow our balance sheet, we kind of grow into the provisions that we have already. So there'll be a number of dimensions that we'll consider when we come to our year end in June as to the provisioning levels that are are required. But we've certainly, in my view, been very conservative with our provisioning levels. And we come at this new period of growth from a position of real strength in in my view. Yes, and, and I think maybe it would be more prudent to look at the pre-provision profit lines because banks are normally a barometer of economic activity levels. So what was your pre-provision profit levels and uh, how do you foresee that a number to change? Yeah, um, thanks, Rick. I, I, I mean, um, our PPOP, as it's called, uh, was just down slightly at 2% down. And I think you're right to look at that number because it does it does take out some of the noise of provisions. I think we're still comfortable with that given the macro environment. And clearly, you know, we don't expect that that will remain in a negative territory. You know, we want to, to resolve that. But I guess to really accelerate it faster, we will need to continue to grow our advances book and we'll con- need to continue to grow across South Africa and in the African markets. And I think that is, you know, looking a little better, uh, certainly than it has for a while. So so that, that's the number we are focusing on as an executive team to make sure we lift that number. The South African economy is in a rebound phase and the expectations are that the economy will grow relatively well this year, although it is part of the recovery cycle. But from next year and the year after, some forecasts we saw Enoch Kodongwana making his uh, presentation of the budget suggests very, very low growth between 1.4 and 1.6%. Are you concerned about that? Yes, uh, I think that in terms of the budget speech, rate, there was probably a missing chapter because it was on balance a good budget, but the chapter missing was on uh, structural reform to the economy. And I think that with the right focus on that, and you know, this is a well-trodden path, many uh, other executives have made this point, but if we can get that right and we can uh, unlock some infrastructure spend and some confidence in the economy, get rid of some of the red tape that we have in multiple areas, I think we can lift that number. And I am hopeful that, you know, that that chapter, I mean, certainly the president seems to want to write that chapter, that over the the next period of time, we can start to see some uh, uplift. We are seeing some early signs, you know, that are more positive in the infrastructure space. So we definitely seeing some upward momentum there. So it is a concern, but I'm still hopeful that if the government does actually deliver even a small portion of the structural reforms, we will see it 
be a little bit higher than that. Where are you seeing the higher activity levels in infrastructure? Would that be renewable energy project? Yes. At the moment, it's predominantly energy. I think that will probably lead some of this. I mean, clearly, the relaxation by the minister on, you know, allowing up to 100 megawatts to be, you know, expedited is a huge unlock for our economy. And, you know, we're dealing with many large corporate clients who are uh, looking at that. And we, you know, we well progressed with them uh, on funding that kind of infrastructure. And that that's a huge unlock for South Africa because it will take pressure off our national grid over time. And those are, are all pretty much renewable energy projects. I think after that, there will need to be a, a big focus, or not after, but in the, uh, concurrently with the logistics, um, South African logistics. You know, we are not getting as much resources out of the country as we should because of deficiencies in our logistics infrastructure and our ports. And I think there's a lot of scope for the private sector to do more uh, in that regard. Yeah, there's a lot of scope for the private sector to do a lot more in in many other industries as well. But just coming back to the the 100 megawatt infrastructure opportunities, the president announced that early last year. How long does it take for those projects to come online and actually translate into solar panels being installed? Because it's now close to one year later. When will we actually see those projects coming online? Yeah, I think in reality, because there is still a pipeline of things to get done and, you know, they need to be financed and then they need to be constructed and that all takes time. So I expect that this will start impacting the grid during 23, calendar 23. So I can't foresee it will hit us uh, or help us yet this year. But I mean, we will have to be patient and I do expect 23 and then into 24 we'll start to see a real build out, you know, which can be meaningful. We're talking quite significant quantities of, of, of power to be produced by the by the private sector. I would imagine the corporate and investment industry in South Africa would be queuing up to finance some of those projects. It must be the hot topic at the moment. Sure. I think that there's no doubt, you know, that the financial services industry, and I, I think it's not only banks here, it's important that you know, a lot of these um, exposures are also very well suited uh, once the development is completed into our um, asset management and pension fund industry. So banks typically structure and fund the development phase, and then some of that lands up in the broader financial services industry. So you know, we've already seen a round of renewables projects, REAP Round 5, that happened uh, last August. So th- there's lots of interest across the industry to help here and actually across multiple dimensions because you did make the point it's not just uh, renewables. Uh, you know, we stand ready to fund bankable projects across the board. And then just lastly, merger and acquisition activity levels. Where are we relative to pre-COVID levels? So I think uh, we've seen, you know, some deal flow in the last year pick up. A lot of that and, you know, the, the, the heineken distel deal is probably the flagship transaction in that regard. But we've also seen, you know, delistings, local investors take companies private. So corporate activity has been good uh, and we expect that to continue. What I think will augment it in the current year is not only, you know, M&A activity with both some, uh, you know, global multinationals eyeing South African companies out, 
But I also expect some ECM, equity capital markets activity, as you know, the listing market reopens, you know, provided Ukrainian situation doesn't start dampening overall risk appetite. We'll have to leave it there. James, thank you so much for your time today. That was James Formby, the chief executive of Rand Merchant Bank.